Chapter 52 The Wrecked Boat Vandya Devan realized one fact with absolute certainty the moment the top of the mast caught fire the ship would not survive and if it was doomed then so was he For some very strange reason however this prospect did not overpower him at all his heart felt light and his spirit soared his laughter rang out with enthusiasm and in a swift stroke he untied the ropes that had bound him hitherto with the mast what was the point in being roasted alive in this raging inferno one might as well sink into the cool waters of the sea into its very depths and there give up life in the most peaceful fashion with this in mind he decided that his last few hours were not to be spent mourning over circumstances he could not change rather he sought to fill his hungering eyes and heart with the wild tumultuous beauty of the raging sea in the dazzling light of the burning mast it wouldn't be a bad idea it occurred to him to take a good long look at his final resting place hadn't he heard spine chilling stories about the ghosts of people who'd met a gory end before their time circling the place of their death would his spirit float above these very waters long after his demise would he glide with the breeze or hover above the waves or would his hapless ghost swirl and twirl with the whirlwinds lashing at the sea aha some day perhaps the princess of his dreams might sail along these very oceans upon a ship her sailors would point out to this spot and murmur this was where vandyatevan met his end your highness and then ah tears like translucent pearls would spill from those exquisitely beautiful eyes long and piercing like lances and roll down her face dazzling as the full moon and if he should happen to see her misery hovering about as a spirit would he be able to wipe them away the ship climbed laboriously upon a mountain of a wave vandyatevan could see for a great distance in the burning brilliance of the mast's fire the sea writhing like a monster looked like a vast slab of black marble but where the light touched it the surface turned to molten gold However there was no time for him to admire and exult in this nature spectacle for something else caught and held his attention a ship in the distance a ship sporting a tiger flag good god in heaven is there no end to your divine miracles there could be no doubt that arulmuli varmar was upon the ship and a small voice whispered into his heart he's come in search of you Parthibendran ship had found itself in the same dire straits as Vandyatevan's own courtesy the whirlwinds but unlike the latter the former was well stocked with experienced sailors and seaworthy men men who knew the characteristics of a temperamental gale extremely well and were more than capable of dealing with its vagaries within moments the sails were furled and brought down the wheel was manipulated expertly so that the ship need not battle the considerable winds with all its might the vessel would ascend huge peaks on one hand making those within think they were about to topple over the next second it would right itself somehow no matter the force of those huge thundering waves no matter the endless battering and smashing waters did the boards and planks budge not a smidgen the lord of the oceans picked up and tossed the little ship in his massive hands like a ball 
The whirlwind spun the ship like a tiny top twirling this way and that. A veritable cataract poured from the skies, trying its very best to drown the vessel. But none of nature's very formidable forces could beat that ship, designed by the cream of Chora artisans and manned by the Chora naval elite. Not a dent could they make in its well-stocked armor. I have seen and battled far, far worse, your highness, assured the Kalapati. Whirlwinds a thousand times more ferocious and Sandamarudams that would beat this one to flinders. There was one factor which worried him though, and this he confided to the prince and Parthibindran. Dark gloomy clouds had scurried over the sky, plunging them all into pitch blackness. Rain poured down, determined to flood the whole world it seemed, not to mention the sea, which rose in massive waves that heaved and danced, shutting out what little light remained with watery curtains. This lack of sight meant a very dangerous situation. The ship they were hunting was likely in the same position, even in close proximity perhaps. But they might never catch sight of it. The other ship might well be cockscrewing just like their own. Should the two crash into each other, both would splinter into smithereens and sink. As for the fate of those aboard, Now you see what I fear the most, sire, explained the Kalapati. Not the whirlwind or the sea or even the rain, but pitch darkness which destroys vision completely. The captain's concern was not exactly unknown to the prince who placed himself in sentry position in a corner of the ship, standing rigidly in the tearing wind and stinging rain, braving all the elements. His piercing eyes stared through the darkness, taking desperate advantage of each brief flash of lightning. As for his heart, words cannot describe the incredible turmoil that churned within, laying it open to all sorts of fears. His beloved sister's confidential envoy was even now in the hands of rogue Arabs and a murderous Mandravadi, and as if all this was not already enough, a treacherous whirlwind had been added to an already volatile situation. What if, what if the ship carrying the brave Varnar warrior was never to be found? And even if by supreme good fortune it was, there could be no guarantee that the man himself might be alive. What if the Kalapati's worst fears were realized and the two ships collided? That would be hilarious, wouldn't it, if both sank without a trace? No, wait. Who on earth could deliver a certain important message to the emperor? Well, nigh impossible to trust Parthibendran with that task. The prince could not consider him worthy of the undertaking, and even if it came to that, as a last resort, the Pallava Sayan would likely mock it. Certainly, there was no saying that he might take such a mission seriously. The prince felt his spirit sink a little. Thus far, no enterprise of his had ever failed. Would this be the first? No, no, certainly not. Samudra Rajan would not, could not stand by and watch Ponni's beloved son suffer defeat, subject to evil plots of enemies or even nature's malicious machinations. He'd been peering through the gloom all this while, staring into the darkness resolutely, ignoring the brief flashes of lightning. But even he had to screw his eyes shut against this, the latest and most brilliant jagged line that cut across the sky. His eardrums protested the harsh, deafening roar of thunder. But when he opened his eyes again, it was to light, a new source of light that owed nothing to lightning. 
And then his eyes widened, for he saw a ship, a ship its sails unfurled fully, dancing wildly amidst the mountainous waves. The top of its mast had caught fire, and in its raging, flickering light, the prince caught sight of a man standing close by. Good God, could such miracles even occur? For he had to doubt that it was Vandyatevan himself in the flesh, the brave, brave warrior. But wait, why was he alone? Where were the others? But no, now was not the time to waste wandering about such things. The prince knew his next course of action in an instant. Not unnaturally, others had seen everything as well and set up shouts. There, look! Their raucous yells made themselves heard over even the roaring thunder. The prince strode towards one of the small boats lashed to the sides of the ship and turned purposefully towards the sailors. Which of you will come with me? he asked in a firm, loud tone. His intentions burst upon the awareness of those who stood near. Stunned dismay and alarm were writ large on many faces. Despite these emotions, many fell over themselves eager to assist in his quest. What sort of madness is this, your highness? Parthibendran and the Kalapadi hurried forward, remonstrating with him. What are the odds of sailing a little boat upon the murder himself up to his full height? His audience was in no doubt that they stood in the presence of a prince descended from an ancient race of emperors. No more than two men, thank you, he assured, cutting the ropes and freeing the craft in an instant. The boat dropped into the ocean. The prince and two men gauged the depth and jumped in. The small craft bobbed away from the ship within a matter of moments, dancing and spinning like a mad, mad cork. The prince and his cohorts had the devil's own work to do, paddling and plying the oars with all their strength. Inch by inch, it seemed, the boat crept towards the burning ship. By now, the fire had steadily burned down to the middle of the mast, but Vandyatevan stayed exactly where he was. The bright glare of fire meant that he'd seen the approaching ship, seen the boat drop down into the sea. But such was his astonishment at the sight that he'd simply stayed rooted to the spot, stunned. It hadn't even occurred to him that some action was required now on his part. Jump! screamed the prince from below. Jump into the sea! Not a sound registered in Vandyatevan's ears. He stood like one turned to stone, amazed and perplexed. No, there was no time to be wasted. The fire was shredding the ship with its toxic fingers with unimaginable speed. Soon, in an instant, and certainly without straying off course. Then there came a wave, bigger than all that he had seen so far, the size of a mammoth. No, several mammoths, looming terrifyingly like a giant about to fling him down, down to the very depths of the ocean. The prince certainly could not have survived a fall such as that. But no, the wave seemed to possess an instinct for benevolence, a most compassionate wave this one, for it swept him up, bore him on its head and deposited him neatly onto the upper deck of the burning ship. Vandyatevan, already engaged in untying the ropes that bound him, caught sight of the bedraggled figure flung into the vessel. The prince, his mind whispered to him amazed. Oh, oh, he shrieked and bounded forward to help him up. The prince saw his chance and flung his hands around the other man's neck in a crushing embrace. Just hold on to me and walk, 
he whispered hurriedly into Vandyatevan's ears. Whatever you do, do not let go. The next instant, they jumped off the ship into the sea and were promptly buffeted by the waves. The sailors stopped rowing and began to reel in the rope frantically. The prince and Vandyatevan, who'd stuck to him like a limpet, began to inch towards the boat. It was no easy task to clamber into the craft amidst such heaving, choppy waves, especially with Vandyatevan firmly hanging on to his shoulders. Every minute seemed like an eon. It would seem like the boat was within reach for a moment. The next, it was whisked away and they were left to be engulfed by the merciless sea. In the end, another compassionate wave decided that the two puny humans had suffered enough, took matters into their own watery hands and gathered them into its arms. They rowed upon it and with the help of the sailors fairly fell into the boat. Row! Quickly! The prince gasped. No! There was reason enough for this order. The burning ship was about to sink and the resultant churning might well append the frail boat back into the frothing sea. And this was not all. With the ship down, the flames would be extinguished, making it impossible for them to navigate their way back to the other ship. Aha! There! The Arab ship had begun to submerge, and how bewitchingly beautiful was the sight of that huge vessel descending gradually into the vast Black Sea, its mast burning merrily right to the end. Not that those on the boat had much leisure to observe and relish that breathtaking sight, for the sea began to heave and toss to the very skies as the ship sank, transforming the waters into a rolling, frothing mass, exactly as the prince had predicted. Surprisingly, the fragile little boat managed to right itself, a testament to the consummate skills of Chora craftsmen. But now, they were beset by another worrying problem. The sinking of the burning ship had extinguished all light. They could no longer pinpoint the location of the other ship. Visibility was non-existent. None of them had the faintest idea about their position or direction. Were they approaching the ship or drifting further and further away? There was no way of divining either possibility. Both were dangerous, of course. Were they in close proximity, larger vessel and smaller craft would collide and there would be no doubt about the outcome of that eventuality. As for drifting away, why, what on earth could such a small boat accomplish, bobbing helplessly, endlessly in the black, black sea with no means of navigation? Ah, Samudra Raja, Lord of the Oceans! You and you alone can save the beloved son of your adored, cherished river Punni. The many vagaries of Vayu Bhagwan, most illustrious lord of the winds, are indistinguishable indeed, and astonishing. For those whirlwinds ceased just as abruptly and surprisingly as they had burst upon the sea. The devastation left in their perilous wake though, that was something else altogether. The gale-force winds might have dropped, but the lesser set of the churning seas, the better. For the waters do not subside easily, often choppy for a day and a night, and the effects of such a massive upheaval is usually felt for long distances. Kodi Karai itself would prove no exception. Its long, sandy beaches would be swamped by the sea. Nagapattinam's famed harbour will likely be pounded relentlessly by a furious, wrathful sea. Waves the height of palm trees and even ports as far as Kangesanthurai and Tirukkonamalai would be affected. Not even Madhottam and Rameswaram would escape the fury of a whirlwind. 
Meanwhile, the boat on which the prince and his men huddled bobbed upon the sea, buffeted by the waves. Soon after, the sailors stopped rowing, for frankly, there didn't seem to be any point. Who knew the position of the ship after all? Where would they go? The wind had dropped completely. Rain had ceased to deluge them long since. Even lightning had stopped assaulting their sight. Thunder had died away. And yet, the waves remained furious and massive. Their anger seemed not to have abated one jot. The boat weaved, tossed and turned. But now, something else was approaching them swiftly. A hitherto unknown danger. There, it was almost upon them. Remember the burning ship that sunk? Well, one of the masts that had not quite been reduced to cinders broke away from the vessel and began to drift upon the sea. Closer and closer to the boat it bobbed. And no one aboard noticed. It was pitch dark after all. Oars! It was no surprise that the prince caught sight of it first and registered the peril. Row! Row now! Quickly! He screamed. The breeze drew his words away. The half-burnt mass smashed underneath just as he stopped. Padar! The boat splintered within moments. It broke into two first and then into smaller planks. The mast completely disintegrating the craft. Fear not, my friend! The prince raised his voice. That mast is a far safer bet than the boat's planks. Grab hold of it and do not let go!